Life Audio. Today's psalm, Psalm 68, is one that is kind of difficult to read for a number of reasons. It's long. It goes through the storyline of Israel and it addresses some things that are quite frankly hard to swallow sometimes. But one of the reasons why it's a difficult passage for many people is it calls our attention to the fatherless and the orphan. And for many people, that is a topic that they don't want to think too much about. But yet, it is a burden on my heart. It's the very calling of my life. It's why I serve in orphan care globally. So after a brief word from our sponsor, we're going to unpack that a little bit today and see how Psalm 68 calls us to action in this area. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are going to be reading through Psalm 68. And again, we are in the Psalms. We are doing one Psalm a day as we read through them because this was the Psalm book, the, the hymn book of Jesus and the disciples. And it's helping us better understand what they're referencing a lot of times when they referred back to it. But also because the Psalms reveal to us in the context of our, our humanity and the emotions that we find in the Psalms, they reveal to us the character and nature of of God. And while the Psalms were written in a different time frame, what they do is they reveal to us how God operated within that context. And we know that God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. So by studying the Psalms and, and all of scripture for that matter, we learn more about who God is and how he operates and how he functions, his character and his nature. Again, if you are just joining us do not feel like you need to go back to square one. If you want to just join with us here at Psalm 68 and then go back later, that's fine. Or you can go back to the beginning and start. Every single Monday, what I do is I will take the five episodes that we have throughout the week and I will send you a journaling prompt, one for each Psalm, to help you kind of process and get the information from your head into your heart. Again, that goes out if you're on my mailing list. It goes out every single Monday. That's completely free. If you would like the back questions, the back journaling questions, you can pick those up. It's $5 on my uh, website, shehears.org, where you can just get the digital download. You can print that and it goes through all the journaling prompts and some space to, to journal out and a link to the appropriate podcast. But we, we have that available as a resource for you because some people were asking for the previous episodes, journaling prompts. And I, I like that. Uh, the journaling sections are not huge because I'm I'm busy, 
But I like taking a minute to think through what did this psalm have to say? What was the key scripture that was shared? And how can I apply this to my life today? Because the whole point of reading the scripture is, yes, it's to hear God's voice more clearly, but it's also to be obedient to what it is that he's calling us to do and how we're to live our life and how we're to pursue righteousness in our daily life. So it's a little bit of a long psalm today, Psalm 68. So I'm going to go ahead and get in. If you have questions on any of that stuff, just reach out. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. As smoke is blown away by the wind, may you blow them away as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you went out before your people, O God, when you marched through the wasteland, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, O God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announced the word, and great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Kings and armies flee in haste, in the camps men divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the campfires, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Zalman. The mountains of Bashan are majestic mountains. Rugged are the mountains of Bashan. Why gaze in envy, O rugged mountains, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands. The thousands of thousands the Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascend on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts from men, even from the rebellious, that you, O Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan. I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that you may plunge your feet in the blood of your foes while the tongues of your dogs have their share. Your procession has come into view, O God, the procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them are the musicians, with them are the maidens playing tambourines. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is the little tribe of Benjamin leading them. There the great throng of Judah's princes, and there the princes of Zebulon and Naphtali. Summon your power, O God. Show us your strength, O God, as you have done before. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herds of bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled may it bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Cush will submit herself to God. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides the ancient skies above, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. So that's a long one. And... 
a lot of it is a, a recollection of this history that we see of Israel. And so I'm not going to get into all of it. I think some of it is pretty self-explanatory. And it's a call to look at this whole storyline of, of Israel's history. We do see a couple themes rising up in Psalm 68. We see God's presence throughout Israel's history. And that helps us understand how God is present in our own history. And then how we see God walking them through this process of redemption, starting in Egypt and ending in Jerusalem. This can be a difficult psalm to get through. And I think it's easier if we look at it for what it is as the storyline that is stretching through this condensed history, really, of Israel. And we zoom in on a couple things that are included because it helps us understand the priorities of the heart of God. This psalm, in general, does not fit any of the typical genre classifications that scholars would use. Some have called it a victory song, where they're recounting God's hand of faithfulness throughout their generations. But others just don't even apply a label to it, which is probably because it's very hard to put it in a specific genre. It's it's unlike some of the other psalms that are easier to pinpoint. Regardless, in this psalm, um, what we think is going on is it was used as part of a victory celebration when the ark was carried in in a procession. And so in the opening words, they reflect Moses's prayer in numbers when the ark was moved from one place to another. And this procession is describing Uh, David's procession that brought the ark from the house of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. And that was an opportunity for a lot of rejoicing. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And so we're seeing this thread of redemption throughout, woven throughout Israel's history. And as we're going through it, there's a couple things I want to pinpoint and point out to you, because if you're you're reading it through the history of Israel, you might read through it quickly and you might overlook a couple things. So we're actually going to take a break right now and have a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to dive into what some of those things are. Stay tuned. So we're going to start in 68 verses three and four, where it talks about riding on the clouds. Let's see. May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him. That may seem pretty straightforward when we read it, but because we are reading an English translation and we're not reading this in the original Hebrew translation, there's a couple things that we we miss when we read it this way. There are actually four verbs in this verse that are reinforcing this idea of rejoicing. So the the verbs are translated as being glad, as rejoice, being happy, and then another word for a different word that also means rejoice. And then there are three verbs that are talking about singing. So it's sing, sing and praise, raise your voice. And so that adds up to seven verbs that are contributing to this idea of joyful worship. And that really is the tone of the psalm. This is a worshipful song that is really descriptive of the way God has intervened on their behalf. And that phrase, who rides in the clouds, 
it is talking about, of course, the majesty of God and the way that he controls nature and he is an authority over nature. But the word that is used there is actually a shortened form of the divine name Yahweh. And it's, it's just Yah. And so that's what appears here, which it is a couple different places also in Psalm 150 and in Exodus 15 it's used. But it's interesting because that is the verb that is attached to the word hallelujah, that yah. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that uh, prior to studying the psalm. But that word yah is this shortened form of Yahweh. So when we say hallelujah, it's that's the same word uh, root that's used there. That, I think, is important, the whole riding on the clouds, because it is presenting Yahweh, Yah, as the the one who is in control over nature. And in that means may seem like, of course, that's how it's written to us. You know, we may not question that. But in that culture, when it was written, that was something that the other surrounding countries and, and people groups would attribute to Baal and a couple other of the gods that they worshipped outside of Israel. And so Baal would have regularly been referred to as the rider of the clouds. So again, this is David, as he often does, he is establishing Yahweh as the one that has universal control over not just the nations, but also over nature. So I thought that was important to point out. Verse 5 and verse 6 is where I want to spend a little bit of time today to draw your attention to. Verse 5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. A father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. This is essentially talking about how God is a father to those that do not have a father. And he's the judge who defends the claims of their widowed mothers. And this verse really is describing God's work on the behalf of those that are helpless in the world. And that's important because we can recognize how God establishes this as a priority throughout the scripture. It's in the New Testament, of course, but but sometimes we forget that it's in the Old Testament as well. And the fatherhood of God is something, as we see it emphasized in both the New and Old Testament, it's something that God delights in. And it's not just something he does as an afterthought. It's not just something that he does because it needs to be done. But it's something that he delights in, in being the defender and helping the weak, the disadvantaged, the oppressed, the hurting, the lonely, particularly those that are trusting in him. And I think that's an encouragement. If you are somebody that feels alone in this world, we can lean into this relationship with God as our father, that he will put us under his care and protection. And as someone who does not have a relationship with an earthly father, this is a a, a verse and a a biblical concept that has meant so much to me throughout the years. And and you can go back and listen to some of my previous episodes that talk about this. But we serve a God that is just such a good, good father. And there, you know, there was a time where um, I was raised by my grandparents and both grandparents have passed away in the, in the last couple of years. And so my biological parents are still alive, but I 
don't have a relationship with them. And there was, there's been a couple times where I have seen them at a distance or, you know, at a store or something. And the pain that's evoked from not just that relationship, but that lack of relationship is something that is so hard to explain to those of you that might not have experienced that. But the tragic reality is, is a lot of us have experienced that. And that is a very real emotion that carries the weight of, um, you know, childhood trauma. And the enemy would love nothing more than to keep you bound in the emotions that come along with a situation like that. And I want to be the one to tell you, and I'm not going to take the time to go through all those stories. You know, I've talked about it on the podcast before. You can listen to some previous episodes. But I will. I want to tell you that we can have a relationship with God as the Father that far exceeds any kind of relationship we could have with with an earthly father. And even if you have a good relationship with your with your earthly father, God still longs to be that good father in your life because that's who he is. And so I love that this verse focuses and highlights on that. And then the the next verse where it talks about how God sits the lonely in families, it likely is alluding to the Israelites when they were in Egypt. And that word families, it literally means at home. So it is probably referring to Canaan as it's talking about them being in, you know, their promised land, the home. But what we see in this psalm is that Yahweh is this compassionate father God who wants to make sure that the orphans, the widows, the stranger, um, you might see it translated in your Bible as lonely or desolate, but it the verb or I'm sorry, the, the noun there, the way it originally was written was stranger. He wants to make sure that all of them were cared for as if they were members of an Israelite clan. And that's where things like conversations around uh, diversity and equity inclusion, to me, that is evidence that they are there, there's a care and compassion for all people, regardless of circumstances, regardless of a location, regardless of background, because God cares about all people, even the people that many in today's society would say that are maybe the more marginalized of society. We see God consistently caring for those individuals. And so we have this call. There's this biblical call for us to step into that same space as well. In verse six, there's something else that I wanted to touch on. Um, it says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. This idea of freeing prisoners, um, we see in the New Testament, it talks about how Jesus will set the captives free. But this idea of freeing prisoners in the ancient Near East, the freeing of prisoners were usually from a debtor's prison, and it was an act of justice that usually happened within the first or the second year of the new king taking over the throne. And then it would periodically happen after that, but that, that initial freedom year that would have been called the Jubilee, and it happened in a couple different ancient contexts in the same way. But that's important because, again, it's a foundational aspect of who God is. He is one that sets the captives free. He frees prisoners. Now, I don't know if you are 
there are some that are in an actual literal prison or have experienced that. But many of us that have not experienced that have experienced what it feels like to be imprisoned, whether it's by sin or addiction or circumstances. And I love this aspect that we learn about God's nature, that he is in the business of freeing prisoners. You know, there was um, a number of years ago, an opportunity that I had to go and travel. And I was in East Africa at the time. And in the country that I was working in at the time, we had the opportunity to go visit a women's prison. And in that country, oh, this is heart-wrenching. In that country, when a mother goes to jail, all of her children go with them. All of, her, all of the children go to jail. So when we went to the prison, the women's prison, there was more babies in there than there was women. Because each woman typically had more than one child. Sometimes they'd have four, five, six, eight, ten. And these women, when they would go, their their babies would go with them. So so while there is this one side of me that was like, man, I'm so glad that these babies don't have to grow up without their moms, you have these innocent children that are in prison. Think about that for a minute. There are places in this world currently, and that's not uncommon in third world situations. I've seen that in other countries since then that children, innocent children are imprisoned because of the sins of their parents. Now, to take that one step further, most of the time those women were imprisoned not for their own sins, but for the sins of either their father or their husbands. And so in the country that I was in, there was a permit that was needed to sell in the market. And I have to remember, these are third world country situations where they're, they're financially desperate. And to sell in the market, it was the equivalent, the license was the equivalent of about eight American dollars at the time. But eight American dollars, when you are in a country where a good wage would be considered um, like a dollar a day, is is a pretty fairly typical good wage in those countries. Um, that was eight days worth of wages. But how are you supposed to amass eight days worth of wages when you don't have a permit to sell in the market extra? Because remember, they use they live hand hand to mouth. So they would use those wages to buy food for the day just to survive. And so how are you supposed to save up all this extra if you're not able to sell in the market? And so what would happen, what still happens, is they would go and they would risk it and they would take their chances and they would sell in the market. Well, if they got caught, which of course these governments do crack down on things like that, if they were caught... The husband, if he were to go to jail, then guess what? There's no finances because they don't have the opportunity to make any money. So instead of them going to jail, they would send their wives instead um, or their daughters. And so what would happen is these women who were completely innocent and all of their children who were completely innocent would be in these jails. And so we would go into these jails and... You know, there was one jail where it was completely packed full of women and children, and it was like less than 200 bucks to get them all out. And and so we paid the 200 bucks, and we paid their debts off, and then we also paid for them to get their business license for the market so it wouldn't happen again. And there's lots of other programs and things we've done uh, since then. But to me, that's what I think of when I think of the release of prisoners. It's not, you know, sometimes we, we hear things like, oh, well, if God is just, why would he want to set free? the prisoners. These are people that are imprisoned, sometimes against their will, sometimes despite their innocence. And so we serve a God that is just and is fair and fights on behalf of the innocent. And that that image, that picture, that experience is just burned into me when I think about 
this passage, that's all I can see is these babies that were literally in prison for the sins of the father or, or, um, sometimes even the grandfather, if the daughter, daughter went. So, um, we have to recognize that God cares about those situations. And if God cares about those situations, that's a call for us to care about those situations. The rest of this, as you go through, is pretty self-explanatory. And there are things that we've already talked about in previous episodes, like the the bulls of Bashan or um, the mount. I'm sorry, the mountains of Bashan and the the beasts. Um, and you can go back and listen to previous episodes that talk more in detail if you want notes about those. But I think what I want to leave with you and the focus I want to leave for today is that currently there are 147 million orphans in this world. I don't even know the statistics of children, innocent children and women that are in jail across this world. I, I wouldn't even know how to articulate or, or, or find the data on that. Um, in my experience, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so what are you doing about it? What is your church doing about it? How does that hit you? Is there even a thought in your mind or your heart about that? And and this is something that God cares deeply about. We see it throughout the pages of scripture. Not only is it consistent with his nature, but he specifically talks about it. And so the challenge is for you to think about it and for you to talk about it. And, you know, there have been times where I have talked about this. Um, I work in five countries all of them, I do global orphan care. And so I oversee teams in five countries in in the area of spiritual care. And that's specifically what we do is we care for orphans, some of the children that are in some of these very vulnerable positions uh, across the globe. And sometimes when I talk to people about this, they'll say, well, you know, I don't know why a good God would, would allow such a thing. And the reality is this God has already provided God has already provided the way out for that. Number one, he's called his people to do something about it. And number two, I firmly believe and I and I know that if the church tithed the way that God teaches us to tithe in scripture, there would be more than enough money to take care of 147 million orphans and all of the women and children in jails innocently. The reality is, is the church does not care about it as much as they should. And it's not a a priority for them. Um, and you know, I don't, I, I, I am an advocate for the local church. I'm not saying anything negative about the local church, but when churches have budgets for sound systems that are much higher than their budgets for orphan care or reaching out to the vulnerable or, um, the, the lost or the hurting or, or people in other countries that God calls us to care about, it says something to me about where their priorities are. And perhaps the priorities are not in line with God's priorities. And so that's the challenge today is to just wrestle with that angst and that tension and pray about maybe some opportunities that you can get involved. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to go adopt a child. But what I am saying is that if there is a call to care about something the way God cares about it, then when there's opportunity, then we have to take that seriously and be good stewards of the opportunities and the funding that that God gives us. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read Psalm 68 again, starting in verse one. And it's long. So just hang, hang in there with me. 
May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him as smoke is blown away by the wind. May you blow them away as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you were out before your people, O God, when you marched through the wasteland, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain, before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed the weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, O God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announced the word. And great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Kings and armies flee in haste. In the camps, men divide the plunder. Even while you sleep from the campfires, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Zalman. The mountains of Bashan are majestic mountains. Rugged are the mountains of Bashan. Why gaze in envy, O rugged mountains, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands and thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train. You received gifts from men, even from the rebellious, that you, the Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan. I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that you may plunge your feet in the blood of your foes, while the tongues of your dogs have their share. Your procession has come into view, O God, the procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them the musicians, with them are the maidens playing tambourines. Praise God in the great congregation, praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is the little tribe of Benjamin leading them, there the great throng of Judah's princes, and there the princes of Zebulon and of Naphtali. Summon your power, O God. Show us your strength, O God, as you have done before, because of your temple at Jerusalem. Kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herds of bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled, may it bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Cush will submit herself to God. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides the ancient skies above, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. God, we praise you. We praise you in the congregation. We praise you as the Lord of the assembly. We praise you as the Lord of our lives. Lord God, I pray that you would burden our hearts for the things that burden yours. God, that you would help us to recognize how you are the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows, and that you call us to step into those opportunities that we can to speak and fight for their behalf. Lord, I pray that even now that you would call to mind opportunities that we have to serve you in this way and to make the things that burden your heart also burden ours. God, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity to learn more about you in your word and what a treasure it is. I pray blessings over my friends today in Jesus name. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? 
My goal for the She Hears Ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.